A reading from 2 Kings. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elijah said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you not know that the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle, rolled it up, struck the water, and the water was parted to one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, let me tell, tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted to you. If not, it will not. But as they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see them, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. A reading from the second letter of Paul to the Corinthians. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. 
Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. He was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you. There is an old tradition in Christian mysticism to read holy texts and to figure out where we see ourselves in the story. If we go back to this famous text from the book of 2 Kings, where Elijah is about to be taken up into heaven, I find myself amongst the company of prophets, either in Bethel or in Jericho, coming out to Elisha to do what anybody who knows me knows I do well, which is to state the obvious. Don't you know that your master is about to be taken from you? And Elisha's comeback is very appropriate, although it's put in more poetic language in Scripture. He basically says, tell me something I don't know. Now shut up. Yeah? It's easy to be amongst that group of prophets who are sort of an ancient Israelite send-up of the chorus in Greek tragedy, right? just stating the obvious, and standing off to the side and watching what's going on in the story, rather than do what Elisha does, which is to follow Elijah, the great prophet, to the very end. And more than that, to have the audacity to ask Elijah to leave him, as an inheritance, a double share of his spirit. Elisha is not a humble man. And yet what he asks for is what he receives, because if you go on in 2 Kings, you'll discover Elisha does all of those same miraculous and prophetic things that Elijah did, and more, before the ancient kings of Israel. Yet I find myself still wanting to be part of that chorus and just watch and take note and maybe write it down at some point. But is that good enough for God's glory? I have to wonder. 
Fast forward to the first century, and we have today's gospel reading, the Transfiguration, which is always read on this last Sunday before Ash Wednesday. It forms one of two bookends for this season after the Epiphany. If you remember, the season began with Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River, And in that moment, God says to Jesus personally in the Gospel of Mark, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. In today's reading, God finally discloses to Jesus' most intimate followers what he said to Jesus himself in the River Jordan. He says, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Because this is the mystery that has been at the heart of this whole season, and that is to ask, who is this Jesus who came from the River Jordan after being baptized by John the Baptist and began to perform all these healings and to bear witness and to speak with an authority that no one knows where it came from? Finally, it is disclosed to us, the listeners today, and to Peter, James, and John, who Jesus is. Because Jesus is depicted arrayed in glory and talking with Elijah, whom they knew, according to legend and tradition, would be coming back to foretell the coming of the Messiah. And Moses, the bringer of the law. That is to say that Jesus, standing between them in Christian iconography, fulfills both the ancient law of Moses and the tradition of the prophets. Now, I find myself in the story being like Peter. Let's build a house, let's raise some capital, and let's just have a good time together right up here on the mountain. Forget everything else. Right? Is that my job? Peter's job. Remember what Jesus says to Peter, upon you I will build my church. Peter is sort of the archetype, if you will, or the epitome of the institution. And he wants to institutionalize this because it's fun. It's fun being up on a mountaintop with Jesus, Elijah, and Moses. Although it's terrifying as well, but hey, we're good at making money off terror, right? Fear sells, so why don't we just set up camp here and get on with it? The moment Peter opens his big mouth, which he is prone to do, is the moment the transfiguration ends and the next stage of the journey begins. It's when we want to capture a holy moment that we often lose it. And that's just as well, because it means, my brothers and sisters in Christ, we're not in charge. Thanks be to God. But it also means this is the pivot point for us in the church here, where we turn from revealing who Jesus is to following Jesus in the fulfilling of his purpose, which means going back down the mountain, back to the crowds, back to the healing, 
back to the long and windy and dusty and dangerous road that ends in Jerusalem at the cross. This is our pivot point as we look both behind us and before us. It's what we do on mountaintops, remember? You can see where you've been, and you might be able to see where you're going. And so we have both a recapitulation of what happened in the baptism in the River Jordan and a foreshadowing of the glory of the resurrection that lies on the other side of Lent and Holy Week. If we are willing to step away from the chorus, if we are willing to be silent as James and John were so much better at doing than Peter, we might then be prepared for what Christ invites us into, which is a journey that has meant us to travel with him through death and into glory and from glory to glory.